There you go. Four punch, five punch, six punch combination. Body shot, body shot. Bang, 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 bang. Telling him not to counter punch. Welcome back, Fight Fans, to another episode of the Fight City Podcast. I'm your host, Alden Kodash, and I'm joined today by Hunter Breckenridge to discuss some of the biggest news this week in boxing. Of course, we had Josh Taylor unifying the 140-pound division, winning every single belt in impressive fashion against Jose Ramirez via a unanimous decision victory. You know, this fight has been grossly underpromoted, so it's not much saying that it exceeded the hype, but for diehard boxing fans that have been looking forward to this fight for over a year now, I say it did. I think it featured the very best of both men, uh, especially Taylor, who scored two knockdowns en route to a unanimous decision. What was your impression of this fight? I agree with you. I think it definitely exceeded expectations. Um, and they were fairly high, although, as you said, it wasn't exactly promoted uh, as well as it should have been. And I think sometimes, especially with lower weight classes, and uh, it's, it's just kind of a common thing with the marketing of these fights. Um, but I, I think that this was a very high-level bout. Um, both uh, both Taylor and uh, Ramirez, I, I, I think they fought as well as they could have. They both complemented each other. They... Um, it's, uh, we'll, we'll get into it certainly, but it's, uh, I, I, I thought very highly of this. It was exciting. It was skillful. Um, I, you know, <laughs> it, it was one of those nights that I think everything went uh, about as well as it could. Yeah. I think what was surprising was that, uh, we saw the very best of both men. We saw ebbs and flows throughout. We saw Jose Ramirez's devastating body attack looking like it would have, uh, crippled most fighters. And it looked like it was getting to Josh Taylor. But then before you knew it, Taylor had Ramirez on the deck twice. Were you surprised with Taylor's ability to have Ramirez nearly out of there uh, when Ramirez was really supposed to be the guy coming in with with the one-shot power and and, uh, presumably the strength advantage? I would say yes. Most – I was surprised. um, I was surprised at how effective uh, – how how close he was to ending it in the sixth and seventh rounds. But I'll also say that – um, he was all, he's always been, Taylor's always been a sharp counter puncher. Well, he doesn't have huge power. He's definitely got some snap on his punches and they talked about during the broadcast quite a bit. He's got a mean streak. And mm-hmm. so, well, I'm, I, I was a little surprised with, uh, how badly he had hurt Ramirez a few times. I wasn't surprised that he was able to, to, to shock him. Um, especially since Ramirez is an aggressive fighter and was coming forward. And that second one was, was kind of a little, little different, but the first punch was as he was coming forward and he basically countered him. It was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful shot. And, uh, so I, I, I guess w- without trying to be a little, be wishy-washy on this kind of yes and no, it was, uh, I, I, I think uh, Taylor's power is more a matter of timing and speed than anything else, but it was effective, clearly. Yeah, I, and and then after those knockdowns, it looked like it was a foregone conclusion that Taylor was going to get oh, yeah. Ramirez out of there. Uh, although Ramirez put on a rally late, and two of the three judges had him winning all of the last four rounds. Do you think that was Josh Taylor playing it safe, uh, hedging his bets a little bit? 
on being conservative or or was that Ramirez showing some new element in his game uh, to 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 bite the bullet and and go through fire and try to uh, pull out a victory late? Uh, at, at the risk of repeating myself, I think it was a little <laughs> bit of both. Um, I, I, I do think Taylor and Taylor would say in the post fight interview that he wasn't coasting. He thought he was just boxing. And that may be uh, he definitely took his foot off the gas a little bit. And uh, I don't know if it was a matter of he allowed Ramirez to get in or Ramirez forced his way back into the fight. But I, I think it was a little bit of both. Ramirez clearly because um, they were between rounds. Ramirez's corner was telling him he was he was up big and winning every round except for the knockdown rounds which to me feels like the wrong sort of motivation but yeah. whatever it was it still worked because Ramirez definitely turned it up um I I had a couple of those final four rounds I thought you could have given a Taylor but I'm not surprised uh, they went to they went to Ramirez on a couple of the cards so um and he definitely was uh he was he was he had he had he just he, he <laughs> now I'm stuttering here but yeah he really did uh come out with a higher volume in those final rounds and clearly wanted it bad. I don't think he was that effective though. Uh, in at least at parts, he was swinging and missing and Taylor was catching a lot of those punches, but, uh, he also wasn't throwing back as much. So there goes the perception, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For, for Ramirez just to, uh, to get up from the second knockdown in which he was clearly hurt and, uh, still be able to come forward and risk, uh, perhaps a knockout weight against Josh Taylor shows a lot of guts on his part. Uh, he goes out on a shield. He um, put on a hell of a performance himself. Uh, but now it's Josh Taylor. He's the man at 140. All roads lead to him. Unfortunately, his first stop is going to be unbeaten WBO mandatory Jack Catterall, 26-0. Might not be a bad fight, but obviously not the fight everybody wants to see, uh, which <laughs> I, I probably should make that plural because there's several. Um, do you... Do, do we see Tio in the near future? I think that's the first name that comes to mind is, is what makes a lot of sense uh, for Josh Taylor right now. That would be an option. Um, uh, that would be an exciting, yeah, that would be an exciting fight, a nice contrast of styles. Um, what they kept talking about uh, after the fight on the broadcast was uh, Terrence Crawford, which would be a whole different proposal. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, at one point I thought maybe Zapata, uh, would have been, uh, a likely, a likely candidate, but then he didn't really, uh, he, he didn't really yeah. distinguish himself in his, uh, his fight with Hank Lundy. Uh, I thought that actually, I thought that fight was closer than what the judges said. And, uh, mm. Z Zapata really didn't show the fire that he did with against Baranchik a few, you know, in his previous, previous timeout. So I, I don't know, uh, Tio would be, uh, that'd be a hell of a fight. That'd be a great, uh that would be something that I think they could build up very well and would get a lot of people watching. Terrence Crawford doesn't have much going on. So that would be great as well. Um, I've also heard uh, Tank Davis uh, as an option. If he gets past, uh, was it Barrios coming up? So, yeah. Which is not a that, that's the, <laughs> Yeah. That, that'll be Tank Davis's first spurge at 140 pounds. Uh yeah, one fight I'd want to see that hasn't been getting much buzz is a rematch with Regis Progre. Uh, but similar to Davis, he's also associated with PBC, at least for the time being. Uh, hopefully those fights can get made because there's a, a budding PBC cohort at 140. Although, uh, of course, Josh Taylor at top rank ha has all the uh, sway at the moment. He has every belt. He has the Ring Magazine belt, all the, all the um, 
yeah, every, everything you need at 140. Presumably all roads lead to him. Uh, I would like to see Teofimo Lopez fight him the most. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I could also see that being not a terribly difficult fight to make. looks like Lopez wants that fight. He's always up for a challenge, obviously. Uh, oh, yeah. He's having trouble making 135, both are top rank. Uh, I think that can be a, a very, very good fight. And hopefully the kind of fight that Bob Arum promotes properly, uh, which I think uh, he would on, on the, uh, you know, just just to try to cling on to Teofimo Lopez a little a little tighter after Lopez uh, drifted off the reservation in the Triller fight in uh, his upcoming fight against Cambosos. That could be a tremendous fight. Personally, I wouldn't be thrilled with a Terrence Crawford fight, though. I just I think Josh Taylor's uh, uh, one of his best assets is his size and his strength at 140 pounds. Uh, and I think he'd be giving a lot of that up against Terrence Crawford. Um, and I, I wouldn't see that fight as uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I would see it being hard for him to win. I think he would soil a lot of uh, his momentum if he if he fought Crawford at 147. Uh- I agree with that. I think, honestly, that fight would be almost more for Crawford to have something to do and face a name uh, than for Josh Taylor to really continue his career. Because, I, I, you know, nothing's a given, of course, but I don't see any way that Taylor matches up with Crawford in a way that would get him that win. You know, he'd, you know, I, I don't think he'd necessarily get blown out, but I, I don't see anything he does that would be better than Crawford. So, and as, as you noted, he's big and strong at uh, 140, but going up in weight, especially against a guy as talented and powerful as Crawford, I think yeah. that'd be a bad proposition. I, I do think that's something that might end up getting hyped anyway. But uh, yeah, Tio, that's uh, that would be a much better fight, both from a comp- competitive standpoint. And you're right. I think that would be very, very marketable at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Taylor has a ton of options and he's, uh, and obviously I'm sure he's going to want to take a little break right now. Hopefully not too long. Uh, you mentioned progress. Uh, that's something, uh, you know, that was a great fight in the, in the first place. It was close. It was competitive. Progress mm-hmm. is still winning. Uh, there's no reason why that couldn't happen again. And I, I, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, uh, I think it's in the end Taylor kind of has in the, has the reins of this one and uh, he's gonna do what he wants so yeah I, I personally if you if we were to fight Crawford and I were to put myself in the mind of Bob Aram, I don't really think Bob Aram has much to gain. I mean the mm-hmm. the expected winner would be Terence Crawford who is kind of uh, equivocal on his future with top rank at the moment um, yep. and uh, yeah, I, I think I would try to market Taylor as the man at 140 and try to push for a super fight or a mini super fight with Teofimo Lopez. Uh, but Josh Taylor's last six opponents, I think it's important to mention. I think it's getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of traction with the media lately. A combined record of 126 and one. He's only uh, an 18 fight professional, and he turned pro in 2015. You know, that's a really really incredible resume, and it's it's more than just fighting unknown, undefeated fighters. You know, he has some seriously good opposition on his record. Victor Postal, Ivan Baranchek, of course, Regis Progre, and now Jose Ramirez. You know, I think he's a real example to young fighters on how to aggressively chase greatness in this day and age. What do you make? Yeah, he... um... It, 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 it's impressive going through, yeah, just going through his record just over, yeah, especially over those last six fights. Um, he's, yeah, he's not even at 20 fights yet. Uh, generally, the trend seems to be with any sort of 
you know, especially blue chip prospect, they're not even starting to fight real contenders till they're past 20 fights. And he's been fighting world beaters. Yeah. For a couple of years now, you know, back when he only had 12 fights under his belt. So, yeah. uh, and you know, I, I think he's definitely a great example of, aggressive but also intelligent matchmaking you know they they clearly trusted him his 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 people thought uh thought, thought highly enough of him to put him in against uh, some real killers and he you know it, it's one of those things that i think it's both the, it's both the matchmaking and the trust in him but also the fact that he's just really good you know not every young prospect develops that quick uh yeah. it, Deontay Wilder was at fight 40 before they started feeding him anybody who could punch back, you know, and, mm. and he, you know, he was theoretically a relatively, he was an experience, but he had some decoration as an amateur. So, um, but he was still so raw, but you have someone like Taylor who clearly uh, was better developed pretty early. So, um, so, so some, some of that's just good development. Some of that's just talent and skill. And I think he's just that good. Also, sometimes you have those uh, sort of, um, uh, now I'm thinking of the word, but, uh, you know, those precocious sort of fighters. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Deontay Wilder and, and he made quite a stir this week with his, uh, yep. his victory, uh, outside of the ring An arbitrator ruled in his favor that he is entitled to what was in the contract that, uh, rematch clause against Tyson Fury came at the absolute, absolute most inopportune time right after, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua was finally announced, presumably announced, uh, to take place. The day after, we get the news that, uh, well, Deontay Wilder is not going to step aside and he's entitled to this fight. So, of course, that means, and it was announced very quickly, July 24th, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder 3. You know, the fight nobody wants but has to happen, unfortunately. Of course, everybody will tune in. Um, but, wow, what a buzzkill. Yeah, I, you know, boxing's going to boxing. Uh, there's there's no real <laughs> other way around that. Uh, Deontay Wilder, I mean, you know, from his perspective, he doesn't care about uh, Tyson Fury facing Joshua. If anything, if, if somehow, you know, Fury were to lose to Joshua, yeah, the, he, he's not going to get his revenge that way, if at least what he what he perceives to be his revenge. So, I mean, he's just, he's obviously just focused on one thing. And for him, that's fine. But it definitely deprives the rest of the bo- boxing world of a much more interesting and you more a matchup we haven't seen before, which is important here. Um, I, you know, I have, I have a lot of respect for Deontay Wilder, but I don't, you know, he's got that great equalizer and that's not going to go away, but I'm, I'm just looking at those, their last two fights and I don't see how he does better this time around, you know, especially after the fight, he seemed after the last one, he seemed in such denial about what happened. You know, the gloves were loaded. His costume was too heavy, which was just insane. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, he blamed his trainer. He blamed the, the water he drank. It was, it was pretty rough sounding. And I, he wasn't distinguishing himself after that. And, you know, unless he gets realistic about what happened, I see history repeating himself, repeating itself. And, you know, the only good thing really for that uh, to come from that would be then hopefully Fury would then be, have an unimpeded path to Anthony Joshua afterward. But we're going to have to wait another four or five, six, whatever months. Yeah. And Anthony Joshua would uh, presumably have a fight, a WBO mandatory against Alexander Usyk, which is uh, another dangerous fight in its own way. Um, Oh yeah. 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 These are, you know, these are two 
fights that uh, present some degree of risk en route to the fight that everybody wants, Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. We were so close, but uh, of <laughs> course, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Um, of course, the negotiations, uh, <laughs> being pessimistic, would probably have to restart to some degree, which would kick it to the right even more. Um, yeah, yeah, boxing is going to boxing, as you said. Deontay Wilder has uh, got his victory. I don't really see him. I mean, Tyson Fury has beaten him two drastically different ways. The first time he beat him on the back foot, he outboxed him, got dropped a couple of times. The second time he just marched to him and uh, kept Wilder on the back foot and pretty much neutralized him in all aspects. Uh, I'm not sure what more he can do. Of course, Deontay Wilder has that great equalizer. Uh, he's got more of a not a puncher's chance than any fighter in the last several years or so. Uh, so he could pull it off in that sense. But um, yeah, it does, it does almost seem like a foregone conclusion, especially with how confident Tyson Fury is. Uh, he's clearly peaking. And Deontay Wilder, I mean, hitting the mitts in his living room with Malik Scott, who uh, took a dive against him, presumably, <laughs> arguably, a few years back. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I don't know what more we're going to see out of Deontay Wilder that we didn't already see. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm not – Deontay Wilder at this point, uh, I, I don't think his career you – know, I, I think his career is stalled. And as long as he's obsessed with uh, uh, trying to get his ass kicked by Tyson Fury, it's not – you know, I, I don't see much from him at this point. You know, maybe he could turn it around, but yeah, he's. I I, I don't want to use the word delusional, but he do, he didn't respond in any way from the last couple bouts that made me think he learned lessons from them. And mm -hmm. that's the thing. You know, he's he he's he's not making any adjustments in his life or in his. I don't know about his training, but that that's that's not looking good from what we can see. And I mean, you know, yeah, as you said, maybe maybe he can land that big right and turn things around, but. Uh, that's that's all he's got right now. So meanwhile, he's tying he's tying up the division a little bit longer. And yeah, Joshua's got that fight with Usyk, and I uh, I actually think uh, I, I I I I don't think that's as big a risk in some ways, just because Usyk's not a huge puncher, but yeah. uh, he's also a very talented fighter, and Joshua himself. Uh, has moments of inconsistency so anything can happen there and uh you know i i would at this point uh just kind of you know the pessimist in me just would assume whatever's going to upset the apple cart will you know it's a murphy's law of boxing and so we'll probably be stuck with wilder Usyk and next year which who knows could be good too <laughs> but, <laughs> well i mean uh, <laughs> I, even i mean even if it doesn't go that far, that that they sure. both uh, the the underdogs both win, you know, you also run the risk that one of the two fighters gets injured. I mean, oh, you yeah. got Joshua against Usyk. That's a southpaw against an orthodox fighter. You're thinking headbutt. Uh, Wilder against Fury. Something could happen there as well. Uh, a lot of things can happen, and that's really the point. Is that we we want a unified heavyweight champion sooner than later before some of these things can happen. I mean, back when Deontay Wilder was on the verge of fighting Tyson, or excuse me, Deontay Wilder was on the verge of fighting Anthony Joshua, presumably, a fight that everyone wanted. We had Andy Ruiz pull off the unexpected and just kind of completely throw things out of whack. Uh, six months later or so, we had Deontay Wilder in a similar pr predicament in the rematch against Tyson Fury. So, yeah, 
<laughs> it, I would not be surprised, as you said, if, if Murphy's Law of Boxing prevails again and we're in uh, another suboptimal situation uh, in the second half of this year. But hoping for the best, of course, Fury versus Joshua. Uh, they've said that this fight, they, as in the fighters and the promoters, could happen uh, by the end of this year. I don't think that will happen. <laughs> I'm just going to saying that. It yeah. seems very, very optimistic that they're just going to roll by their opposition and uh, pick up right where they left off in the negotiations. But it could. And, uh, you know, yeah. if everything plays out perfectly, that's just more top-level heavyweight action. We got three best fighting the best type of fights rather than one. So, you just know, all you can the ask most, for. Yeah, I guess uh, best-case scenario, it is all you can ask for. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think anything's that simple. So... <laughs> Yeah, so we'll we'll have to see. Of course, Wilder versus Fury three is the the first up, July twenty fourth in Las Vegas, I believe. So, uh, yeah. should still be a big fight, but uh, a little bit of a buzzkill. Hopefully, we'll all get used to it and uh, get over it because we were so close to the fight everybody wants being announced. Uh, all right, that just about sums it up for this show. Thanks all for being with us. Thanks. Hunter for joining us and uh, absolutely tune in for the next episode of the Fight City Podcast.